Hello, climbers. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I'm John Bergman, the senior editor at Climbing Business Journal, and I want to give you a little backstory on today's guest and today's topic. About a week ago, as I sit here and record this, a longtime volunteer member of the IFSC's Medical Commission, Dr. Folker Shuffle, resigned from the Medical Commission and resigned quite publicly. He promptly posted a statement on Instagram. It's quite lengthy, but I want to read it to you here, or at least part of it. So it says, quote, As a consequence of the non-action of the IFSC, I resign with immediate effect from my voluntary position in the IFSC Medical Commission. Hereby, I am drawing the same consequence as our Medical Commission president. We share the opinion that as medical doctors, we can no longer accept the non-action of the IFSC concerning the Red S problem of our athletes. Now, side note here, Red S stands for Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. I am not a doctor, but the way I understand it, it's a condition in which basically an athlete didn't eat enough. The athlete's body doesn't have enough energy because the athlete didn't consume enough calories. We'll get into the definition a lot more in this episode, but back to Dr. Shuffle's Instagram statement. He continues, quote, I have been a MedCom or Medical Commission member since the inauguration of the IFSC in 2009. During that time frame, we achieved many goals for the well-being of our athletes. However, the current politics with regards to Red S cannot be accepted. We have worked for more than 10 years on the topic. We have collected numerous data, have measured BMI slash MI at every World Cup last year, and have developed very profound plans how to detect and help athletes with such problems. We've spent many hours in meetings and on the desk, establishing new and better system of monitoring and decision-making. As a consequence, we now have the most profound data on this matter of all sport disciplines. We've pointed out the problem and possible solutions to the sports director and board continuously and repeatedly. However, the only acknowledgement we have received has consisted of defamation and discouragement. A little later in the Instagram post, Dr. Shuffle says, as medical doctors, we cannot accept this any longer. Sport climbing has a red S problem. Like a lot of you listening, I saw this Instagram post and I was very interested in learning more. I wanted to hear more of Dr. Shuffle's story. I wanted to know some details behind his resignation, and I wanted to know what he sees as some possible solutions. So I reached out to him, and he was kind enough to come on the podcast to chat. Now, I realized that this topic is a bit out of the normal purview of Climbing Business Journal, but think about how much the climbing industry plays a part in the comp climbing, World Cup climbing infrastructure. The World Cup climbers train in gyms, of course. So they have coaches, they have teammates. They often are part of youth teams before they ever progress to the elite circuit. So there's a network of parents, there's a community. And of course, the best climbers in the world train and compete on holds and volumes, which loops in the hold shapers. And the best climbers in the world also act as role models for would-be climbers or for new climbers. So all of that is to say that the lives of the elite athletes and 
all of their challenges and Red S and all of this that we're about to get into kind of reaches into all corners of the climbing industry when you think about it. And so I think there's some resonance that anyone who loves and cares about climbing should hear. I want to note that the IFSC did release a statement on the resignations. I mentioned this in my conversation with Dr. Shuffle. The statement is titled Athletes Health and the IFSC Medical Commission. It's available under the news tab on the IFSC website, which is ifsc-climbing.org. I would encourage anyone to go read that statement. Okay, that's a long preamble, but I think it was necessary. Now let's get into the interview. Here is my conversation with orthopedic and trauma surgeon, sports medical specialist, 30-year medical overseer of the German climbing team, Dr. Volker Schuffel. Dr. Schuffel, Thank you for coming on to the podcast all the way from Germany, especially amid a very busy time for you and a busy day as well as you are in between seeing patients right now as we're having this conversation. So I'm grateful for your time. You made really big news recently, at least big news in our climbing world, the World Cup scene, the climbing industry, the climbing community. I certainly want to talk about that news and about your resignation from the IFSC's medical commission. But first, let's lay some groundwork because I have been researching Red S a lot in recent days, and you have linked to some really good resources on your social media. It seems to me like Red S is a pretty broad condition and pretty obvious in some ways. If you don't eat enough, you won't have enough energy. Uh, however, what becomes more concerning and more serious are some of the specific things that can that that can happen as a result of red s, frequent stomach aches, sometimes quite severe stomach aches, uh, maybe just frequent sickness in general because the body has a harder time fighting off viruses, fighting off infections, colds, and whatnot, uh, general just weakness, loss of strength, loss of muscle tone, disrupted or halted menstrual cycles. I mean, there's a long list of potential complications from Red S, but I want to throw to you, am I on the right track here in all of this stuff that I've been reading? I would enjoy hearing from you what some of the results of Red S can be and maybe particularly some results that you've observed in elite level climbers. Let's jump a little bit further even, thanks for the introduction. And yes, you got it right, but you were mostly quoting on like the harmless symptoms. So where can redness lead to? And uh, there's one clear answer and that's death. And I've seen that. I lost not a climber, ski mountaineer, a patient. I was involved with the initial diagnosis of it. And unfortunately we lost this person due to his anorexia atletica at the end due to red S or red syndrome. And also we have a lot of other very serious conditions. While a young woman may be, you know, not not shy about or not be unhappy 
while she's not menstruating because it may reduce a lot of problems in the, in the current status, you know, during a World Cup competition series, it can cause a lot of long-time harm, like uh, bone mineral density is diminished, they have fatigue fractures, um, they have long-time consequences. And I do climbing medicine since 30 years. And since that time frame, I'm always having patients with the diseases or with anorexia athletica. And, you know, those people don't go away. They stay. And I see them again and again in my outpatient's clinic at an orthopedic specialist and sports medical doctor. So and they come in their age of 40 and 50 and they have already two hip replacements because of fatigue fractures. And they have another fatigue fracture in their, in their feet or anything. So the long-term consequences are devastating, and we're not even speaking yet about the mental consequences. In general, pediatric, pediatric, pediatric doctors and psychologists say, you know, anorexia in a young female athlete or in a young female person can only be cured within a time frame of the first two initial years. And then it's kind of like more burned into the hard drive in your brain. And then you can only try to cope with the symptoms, but you can't really cure a person anymore. And it is, it is still the highest death pr uh, probability disease in young women. So, you know, we're talking about a very serious condition. So why would we just look at athletes who obviously are having these problems and not try to help them. I think this is our innermost uh, duty, especially as sports medical doctors who are involved and are there for the well-being of our patients and athletes. You know, what is what is the, the job of the IFC Medical Commission? Well, we are there to actually detect any problems on the medical side, may it be an increased, you know, onset of shoulder injuries, for example, or at the beginning during the World Cup cycles, their mats were not interlaced in between. There were like gaps and people were falling the gaps and breaking their ankles. So we need to detect these problems and then propose um, counteroffensives, what you can do against them. And the same with the red syndrome. You've mentioned the fact that this affects female athletes does it affect male athletes as well have you encountered male athletes that have red s yeah absolutely i mean um overall it affects both genders i think it's more female than male maybe 60 to 40 percent but that's not not a scientific data if you speak about scientific data and that's the thing as a doctor you should speak only about is um we did an analysis that well i was part of it but it was mainly done by an american canadian female doctor group on secondary amenorrhea like using your menstrual cycle secondarily when it was already normal before which is a big alarm symptom for like malnutrition in athlete in female athlete top climbers and we had 147 girls from, who are actually competing in the World Cup last year, answering the questionnaire, and 13.6 per them of them actually reported about a having a, a, a nutrition problem, having an eating disorder, and 16% had a secondary amenorrhea. And these are people that voluntarily admitted that. Voluntarily. So there is a bias, obviously, uh, because it's a questionnaire. And you never know if like people who have a condition are more likely to answer the questionnaire or if these don't answer the questionnaire. 
because you know anorexia aesthetica is also a um, addiction and all addicted persons like a drug addicted or an alcohol addicted they don't they want to deny their addiction so they don't talk about it or they you know it's just like no i'm fine i'm good thanks for your concern so you don't know how big the bias is but i think um uh the numbers are probably even a bit higher than the numbers we detected in the questionnaire hearing about that the prevalence which you just mentioned and and all of those symptoms that i said and then the, the symptoms that you added especially when you're talking about very noticeable symptoms like a, a glaring loss of muscle you know athletes getting very noticeably skinny maybe getting visibly getting sick getting repeatedly sick i would think that it would be very hard for conscientious observers people that care about the athletes which is to say a lot of people in climbing right the the parents the the coaches even the fans it'd be hard for them to just kind of turn a blind eye to it so what is going on here are the athletes really good at hiding this or are many people just choosing to ignore this problem and it res it, it is kind of a dirty little secret uh, I don't think it's a dirty little secret because since I'm involved with climbing, there was there were always people openly reporting about their eating disorder already in the late 90s. And we we know we have this problem. Nevertheless, I think uh, there's a lot of denial in the public opinion because um, we are just fascinated what they can do. We are fascinated by their results. Well, you know, what they actually do is they do a, a legal kind of doping. They just hunger for success. Um, maybe our perception also is so much driven to the point that we think a good, a good climber needs to be super skinny and lean. But obviously there are also skinny and lean climbers who are completely healthy. And our point is not, and that is so important, and there's a lot of misjudgment and misunderstanding in the, in the internet and the community. From the medical commission, we don't want, you know, a minimum BMI or MI. MI is the mass index, which is more fair for, young, for, for lean people to actually ban people from taking part. That's never the case. It, is, it was shown like that on the IFSC webpage, but this was not the statement of the medical commission that was done by the IFSC. We want to use that as a filter in which athletes we need to look more thoroughly, from which athletes we ask for a psychiatric, psychological evaluation. We ask for the standard nutrition, sports nutritional questionnaires. We would need a bone mineral density measurement. We would need a sports medical exam, lab results, ETC. And then we could come to a conclusion. Is there a medical condition or is this just a healthy, skinny person? So, and I know that the public opinion is always raging about using BMI, but let's just face it. BMI is recommended by the HWO. BMI and MI as the mass index, more fair is actually a parameter everybody around the globe can gather. What else can you do? You can do body fat measurements, completely very unscientific because it varies a lot on the measuring device. The most scientific evaluation would be 
ultrasound-based analysis of subcutaneous fat mass, which we did on a study last year, but it's not yet in, on the market in a way where you can do it everywhere. So uh, there's no real alternative to screen. Other than that, you would need to give every World Cup climber before he would get a license, a complete psychological and psychiatric workup, which is not, not possible. So we just look for a filter system and then we would go into a detailed analysis of the athletes. And then with the, we would want to withdraw some athletes for their own well-being. And secondary, we would want to have these athletes withdrawn for the idle function to the young generation coming up who are just driven by that in the same direction. They may not just think they want to do that but just everybody else is doing it so i may i may just don't have food tonight i may just let you drink a glass of water we're, we're trying we're kind of skirting around we're getting closer to i would imagine the reasons for your resignation uh, what was or what is the pushback to that more elaborate filter system that you just described is it a my mind thinks maybe there's a is it a cost component i mean that's obviously way more expensive. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's a cost component because like, um, so just historical wise, for the first years, we just measured re randomly on some World Cups to get an overview about the nutritional situation of our athletes. Last year, as we saw the, the problem increased, we measured at every World Cup semifinals. So in our sport, we have the best and most scientific found data on our uh, uh, athletes of all sports. So that's why maybe climbing could take a lead here. We, we are talking about a condition which is also imminent in other sports like trail running, track and fields and steep jumping. So when we last, the last two years, if we had a, a non-nutrition athlete, we were asking for all the medical workup from the National Federation and the National Federation needs to pro provide that and the money involved comes from the National Federation. So if you want to send a very super skinny, let's say guy now from Uganda, maybe it's just Uganda, and he should be World Cup leading climber and he's hasn't having a BMI of 14, then Uganda would need to actually prepare all the, all the paperwork to hand it in if he can get a legalized license now. Um, so actually, the IFC would not be in charge of that uh, expenses, but somebody would need to do the measurements. We did them all on our, in our spare time last year, the medical commission. We told the IFC we could not do it this year anymore. They should employ somebody who would travel around and actually measure the athletes. And they promised us in the beginning of the year they're going to have a strict, strict regimen for 2023 implemented, but they never never proceeded and never did anything. So this year we developed a screening parameters, BMI, MI, and then in collaboration with the IOC Medical Commission, who has a new, a new red ass regimen, we adopted that onto climbing. So we would have actually, you know, we would claim and ask for certain medical information and data of the respective athlete. And then we could gratify that in accordance to our system. And then at the end, we would have an area like a green and orange or red area for the athlete. Green would be fine to go. Orange would be yeah, fine to go, but, you know, medical observations necessary. And red would be a red light. And that thing is done. 
and it was always delayed and delayed and by further questions and questioning back and like not many good people getting involved from the IFSC and having their own opinion and like they were never taking it any further. And then two weeks ago, we had the last meeting or three weeks it's now in Innsbruck and, and online. And on that meeting, we agreed that I would have a last scientific go over the paper and do the last review. And I did that. And I woke up every morning at six o'clock on the weekend and worked on the paper. I sent it to the IFSC and for two weeks, we didn't even get an answer. So for Oregon and me, and we are the two who, people on the Medcom who have done a lot of the work. Mm, there's no clear, there's clearly is no interest of the IFSC to proceed further, further to the step where they would actually give, have, having a legal way where they would block an athlete for self-harm. Did you, before you resigned, did you give any notice that you were going yes. to resign if this yes. wasn't read? What, what kind of response? Walk me through the resignation process. Oh, there, um, um, we already at the beginning of the year claimed for two years, we were claiming that the IFC would need to send somebody to do the measuring at the beginning of the year. Again, we already made it clear that this year we need to do something. Otherwise our work has no purpose at all. And then at the last meeting during the world cup in Innsbruck, I specifically also wrote it down when I did my, um, workup of the proceedings, that this is the last step I'm going to take and that action needs to be done right now. And we did not even get an acknowledgement of that email that it arrived, that they're taking it further into consideration, whatever they want to do with it. Yeah, you know, the, the communication with the IFSC is really weird, uh, not happening in a clear way. Um, Sometimes you just write out of the blue, then you don't hear anything for three, four weeks. Then they come up with a thing that you need to do in like 24 hours, this and that. Um, it's very unprofessional. Not a way I'm used to work around in my in working environment. But you were there uh, since, I think you said... You 2009. Started... I was there when we founded the IFSC. So I actually was there... I would say before, because it's not that the IFSC was founded right from the blue, because, you know, before climbing was with the UIAA and I was in the, in the UAA Medical Commission another 10 years before that already. But then in 2009 in Paris, that was the inauguration of the IFSC and we were on the Medical Commission there already. So in, in that time, since 2009, you must have developed personal relationships with people there, friendships, you know, did... When you announced your resignation, I mean, did you receive any any sort of messages from people there? Oh, like absolutely. I, but that was mostly on the doctoral level, that for my colleagues there in 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 the board, which are absolutely understanding and supporting why we would step down. Uh, also from my non medical, but like federation colleagues from Germany, from other federations, a lot from coaches. Uh, I, you know, I do a lot of climbing medicine. I have two or three books out there, like climbing medicine is a textbook on climbing magazine. So I have a lot of, of friends in the scene. They, they all, they, they all got back to me. What was really good was that actually we got, uh, noticed also out of the sports, like for example, the doctor of the German track and field 
sports association told me, yes, that's a great step. I honor the step and you would actually, or you actually helping our sport as well, taking notice onto the, the condition. And the point is also, which I need to stress, we resign not only because uh, of frustration. One point is frustration because nothing's happened, but I cannot take any responsibility anymore. And I don't want to take any responsibility anymore to have my name affiliated with an organization like the IFSC who doesn't do anything in that behalf for their athletes. And when I'm at the World Cup, I speak with athletes, I speak with coaches and medical doctors from other associations. And they all ask us, you know, you know, we have the situation, it's getting worse. Like, why don't you do anything? And it's not the point that we don't do anything. We do a lot. It's just that over the years, it's all pointless. I want to hear your response to the IFSC's statement that they released in response to your resignation, right? You, you resigned and then the, and then they released a statement. I would encourage anybody that is listening to read the full statement, which can be found on the IFSC's website. But part of the statement reads, it says the IFSC is aligned with the International Olympic Committee with regards to the health of athletes. Uh, from 2024, the IFSC will adopt a holistic approach not based solely on BMI parameters, which is some you, you were just mentioning that, which alone are not sufficient to determine critical health condition. Uh, and then a little bit later in the in the news piece, it says um, the approach adopted until 2022 based solely on BMI does not answer the expectations of the IFSC in promoting a healthy sport. Uh, furthermore, the board has been informed of initiatives not in line with its approved protocols. So it sounds like this. It sounds like your resignation made some waves. Uh, what? How do you respond to? No, I, I don't think it made any made any waves. I think I think they're quite happy. Honestly, personal, I think they were quite happy because um, you know we were the one actually pestering them to do something. Um, we already outlined, or the IFC outlined, outlined at the beginning of this year that they are going to do action. What they always go back on their web page in the statement is that they say, we only want to work with BMI, which is just not true. Um, it also shows that there is a lot of non-medical person involved in medical affairs, which is good. I'm happy to discuss everybody with everyone. But if I don't, if I have a medical commission and then I know everything better, then I don't need to have a medical commission. Like you can, you can argue with the oncologist, but like he knows the studies. And um, if you, if you don't believe him, then you don't know I need, need to go to see him. Um, so what I think what the statement just says that the IFC, IFSC does not take the internal actions on our retirement. They don't do draw any consequences. They just want to go on as it is. They give the remaining medical commission their full support, which I do. I wish them happy. Some of them are really good friends, some not. I wish them all well. I'll be surprised how it will go on because, like, you know, me did a lot of work. So somebody else would need to do a lot, lot, lot of work. And with the IOC medical commission, we are very well aware of their work and we really honor it high, especially Margot Monteau, who is the leading scientist 
on the Rett's syndrome, the calcification, whatever the, the work there is done. And she was in contact with us via the IFSC and helped by the development of the new tool. And the new tool is based on the IOC Medical Commission, but we need to adapt it to climbing because some of the conditions they have there, like femoral neck fractures, they don't happen in climbs, in climbs, femoral neck fractures, fatigue fractures. They're a big indicator for a malnutrition and a, a low bone mineral density in runners or soccer players. Yes, fine. Not in climbers. There's only one case published, and I published that case by myself, but that was one case over like, you know, in my database, we have like three or 5,000 climbing injuries. So it's not what we deal with. So we needed to adapt their suggestions into a climbing rela related program, which we did. It just didn't make the IFSC happy, or maybe the IFSC doesn't want to be happy with anything like that. And that I can answer that the question I can't answer. I don't know if they're not happy with what we do or if they just in general don't want to do anything really. Not to get into the spotlight. But I think our sport should not be in the spotlight because we have a lot of two skinny athletes. You have skinny athletes as other sports as well, but we have the most profound data and we could do something and we could change the world in climbing and in other sports. Tell me, you have resigned now, so your, you know, your influence is you're separate from the medical commission. Tell me how an ideal solution is achieved here, because I, well, I'll, I'll say this: I think that there are kind of two, two challenges. One is the issue of detecting red S at the competition level, but then on the other hand, changing the or or improving maybe the culture of climbing right and those are kind of two separate issues um and, and changing the culture and climbing it's what you're already doing talking about it talking about it posting about it reading writing about it. that may change the culture you know for example um in advertisement you change the advertisement is changing culture of of models yeah Go to some of the big brands and like like Adidas, they have thick and skinny models. They have black, green, white, yellow, purple, whatever models, you know, diversity. And I think um, in climbing, uh, we as climbers need to get away from this mindset that you need to be a super skinny guy and 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 and, and favorite that and, and celebrate that for the reigning body of the IFSC, I think there must be a lot of internal pressure, external pressure onto them. Like it's not only the medical commission guys, Eugen Nee, it's like the athletes commission has the same opinion as us. The athletes commission was always on board. They want sanctions. They want, they asked us like, please measure. Why don't you measure? Can you come and measure the next World Cup? We want you to measure. These are words from athletes from the Athletes Commission. They were like, Janja, you know, I see her on your, in the back to your left. Janja gave a big statement. The Australian, uh, the Canadian girl gave a big statement. Many did. And the coaches, the same. The coaches approach us all the time and say, you've got to do something. So there must be a lot of pressure onto the IFSC until they are forced to do something. Doesn't some of this... Uh 
maybe fall on the responsibility of the national federations as well because if you think about yes. it as a as a hierarchy it's it's the gyms and then there's the regions and then there's the national federation and then there's the international federation and the IFSC i mean you would hope that something like red s and other medical issues would be handled long before that athlete works up the hierarchy to the international level i absolutely agree in Germany, we have we worked on, and since years, we have a regimen in place where we would actually, if we detect an athlete who is considered of being under nutrition or uh, we receive alarm signals from parents, from the trainers, they would actually come to our place and we do the complete medical workup. Basically, the same stuff which the IVC requests now like including psychological, psychosomatic evaluation, because I'm an orthopedic trauma surgeon. I cannot d decide if somebody's anorectic or not. That's, that's not my goal, not my, my field. So we do this, which is a day or sometimes a two-day workup. It's a lot. And then we come to a conclusion. And with that conclusion, we then work with the athlete, meaning they're getting a therapy plan. The therapy plan is very detailed. It tells you like, okay, you got to, increase your body weight for like one kilogram every six weeks you got to see a psychiatrist and he needs to report back to the, the federation doctor in that case it would be me you need to have your train involved with this and that so it's very detailed regimen and that's done in according to the ioc recommendations but we have done that already like 15 years ago i had athletes we did that 15 years ago and um then it's a process. And with that process, we in Germany will only, I, I only send somebody to a World Cup who has not uh, under minimum BMI or, or an uh, uh, eating disorder. The final decision is done by the association. But I, as a, as a as federation doctor, I can only speak for the one athletes I see, I treat. I know of them. I give them only an okay if they are healthy and fine to go to a competition. So yes, it, it is in general, it's the work of the national federations. But on the other hand, you know, a, a medal is very shiny and very nice and federations are measured by their results. That's how the money pours in for the federations. So, you know, if you send that skinny guy out there and he wins a gold medal, you know, who cares what he's doing in five years? We'll have to leave it there. I know you have to run. I am really grateful for your time. Thank you for stopping by, talking on the podcast. Where can people go to follow you and to follow your work and just to stay informed about the developments related to everything we talked about in Red S? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people that will listen to this and want to go continue doing the research and continue kind of kind of being a part of this uh, this process, this ongoing research. Well, of, of course, I try to keep my social media, Facebook and Instagram, Volker Shuffle, up to date. Um, we did a couple of books, one moved to many in climbing medicine. One is more lay people. The other one is a pure scientific textbook thing. We have chapters on, on Red S on this. We're going to be teaching the Canadian Climbing Medicine Symposium in three weeks in Squamish. We do a climbing medicine course in Germany in English, international course every two years. The next one will be 2024. So in general, all the updates will be on my Instagram account. Well, Dr. Shuffle, this has been really informative. Thank you for taking some time out of your day and, and coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you very much for taking your time and taking up the note and the topic. I'm really grateful. That helps the cause. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Dr. Shuffle mentioned his Instagram. That handle for anyone who wants to follow him is at Volker Shuffle, but keep in mind it's German pronunciation. So his name is spelled V-O-L-K-E-R-S-C-H-O-E-F-F-L. As for Climbing Business Journal, the Instagram handle is at Climbing Business Journal. Check out our other podcasts too and stay up to date with climbing gym industry news and profiles and interviews at www.climbingbusinessjournal.com. I'm John Bergman. I'll be back again soon with another episode. Until then, go climbing, love your gym, tip your outsetters. Thanks again for listening.